Welcome to the I Also Want Money podcast, where our mission is to democratize, demystify, and demasculinize making money. I'm your host, Nicole Kyle, and I'm here with my co-host, Sophie Holm, and ally, Harrison Comfort. Hey everyone, on today's episode of I Also Want Money, we are talking about pensions, everyone's favorite topic, saving for retirement. Uh, We want to give a big welcome to freelance journalist and money and pension expert, Faith Archer. Welcome, Faith. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very glad to join you. So for our listeners' benefit, uh, Faith is an award-winning writer. She has an incredible blog, uh, Much More With Less, uh, which I highly encourage everyone to visit. Um, our episode today is definitely for uh, the the working woman who has probably one of the most under-optimized uh, financial benefits, the workplace pension. That's what we're going to focus on with Faith today. So Faith, what is the one thing women should know about their pensions but don't? You get free money. That is the thing I find most exciting about pensions um, compared to virtually any other way you send. If you pay into your workplace pension, your boss pays you extra free money on top. The government pays you extra free money on top as tax relief. Turning down the chance to be in a workplace pension is like turning down a pay rise. You get free money. So the vast majority of people, unless you're a super high earner, you can stash away up to £40,000 a year in a pension and get tax relief. Tax relief. What is the brass tax on tax relief? You get tax relief based on the amount you pay in income tax. So your basic rate taxpayer um, is going to be 20%. If you earn over £50,000 a year, you're a high rate taxpayer, you're going to get 40% tax relief, um, additional rate tax is 45% tax relief. You know, those are big amounts of money to be added to what you're putting into a pension. So in practice, as a basic rate taxpayer, you put one pound into your pension, you'll get 25p added um, so that the total contribution ends up being one pound 25 and that tax relief 25p is 20% of the one pound 25. So yeah, put a pound in, get 25p added automatically on top as a basic rate taxpayer. If you are a higher rate taxpayer, Um, you can claim another 25p back in tax relief on your tax return or some employers actually sort it out so the money gets taken off your um, payslip. So what should we be paying attention to when we are reviewing the terms of our workplace pension to make sure we're optimizing it? The first thing that you need to check is can you get anything more? As you've highlighted, people now in the UK, you are automatically signed up for a workplace pension um, for eligible employees unless you choose to come out. So if you're earning more than £10,000 a year and over 22, your employer is going to whack you straight into that workplace pension. And they will sign you up for the minimum, um, which currently means that you pay 4% of your um, eligible earnings into that pension. That just gets whipped straight off your paycheck. Um, But then the brilliant part is your employer then adds 3% on top and you get another 1% in tax. And if you're a higher rate taxpayer, you can get even more tax relief back. So that's the minimum that's going in. But there's a lot of bosses out there that will actually give you more free money. 
Um, so there are employers that will match extra contributions. There are also employers that you, perhaps if you pay in um, extra on top of the minimum contributions, they'll pay an extra too. So check, don't leave free money on the table. Employers match your extra contribution. Is it up to the employer to decide if they want to do that or not? By law, is this idea that um, you pay in 4%, your employer pays in 3%, and then you get the 1% tax relief. You know, that's that's the minimum. You can't demand anything more. Um, but there are a lot of employers out there that are more generous. So find out if your employer is one of them. So who would you suggest we ask that? Well, start by having a look at whatever information you've been given on the pension. You might have some paperwork. There might be part of the company website um, for employees that tells you about pensions. Speak to HR or see if it's a bigger organization, it might actually have a pensions department. For people that started focusing on the pensions a little bit later, uh, guilty as charged over here, how do you attempt to bridge that gap that you're talking about? There's a really easy rule of thumb about how much you should be paying into your pension, and that is take your age and halve it. So if you're starting to pay into a pension when you're 24, which I would highly recommend, start doing it as soon as you possibly can. Um, so if you're 24, then you might want to pay. You should be aiming for 12% total going in there. And that does include the tax relief and the stuff from your employer. Um, but if you wait till, say, you're 34, um, which is still, you know, still don't, don't think it's too late. <laughs> but if you wait till you're 34, then you're looking at paying in 17% of your income. So as you can see, the longer you leave it, the more you're going to need to pay in um, to end up with a decent retirement. The issue is, fundamentally, if you pay less into a pension in the first place, you're going to end up with getting less out. And the reality for a lot of women is that if you take time out, perhaps to look after children or um, look after other relatives, and if you go back to work part time afterwards, then for a lot of women, they end up with gaps in their pension contributions or times when they're contributing significantly less. So that means although in our 20s, um, many women have very much similar sized pensions to men, by the time you're hitting retirement age, traditional retirement age, perhaps in your 60s, there is a really significant pension gender gap. So I think women in particular really need to focus on maxing, you know, paying more into their pensions in their younger years so that they're going to end up with a bigger pension sum when they want to retire. We came across some data that said the pension gap from a gender perspective can be 50% or higher. Faith, why do you think such a vast inequality exists? There's a number of factors that come into play. Um, first of them is the gender pay gap. Uh, so fundamentally, if you've got two people where one is earning less than the other for the same job, then they can pay less into their pension. Um, if you've got women taking time out, as I mentioned, to have um, to raise children or for caring responsibilities, that's going to cause a gap. Um, if they subsequently go back to part-time work and they're earning less, that's going to cause the gap. So, Faith, what are best practices for checking on our pension? Well, if it's any comfort, I actually don't recommend checking your pension too often. Um, I genuinely mean that. I think um, certainly review once a year. Um, if you want to get really into it, maybe once a month. Um, but I think daily fluctuations in your pension can be quite scary. 
And especially with pension investing, it's for the long term. Um, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you're investing over a 20, 30, 40 year horizon. You have time for the stock market to come back up. So what you don't want to do is get freaked out by short term bumps along the road. But in practical terms about how to check, um, one of the issues right now is because people swap jobs and therefore they can build up different workplace pensions in multiple places. Um, so a really key thing I'd say is if you are about to move jobs, change the email address on your workplace pension so that you can actually still access the data. You know, find out how can I access it when I'm not an employee? Because one of the main reasons why um, a lot of people lose time through their pension is that their workplace sets it up with their workplace email address. If you don't have the same email address, it's much more difficult to get hold of the information. It's such a little but such a significant detail. I definitely wouldn't have thought of it. And I imagine many, many people don't think about just changing their, their email address from their work email to their private email. So it's a really great tip. Just thinking about, you know, millennials changing careers every three to five years, et cetera, like all of these different trends, you will end up having a lot of different pension and pension providers. What's your recommendation around consolidation? And when you are in that process of, of value, evaluating that, what can you demand from pension providers? And kind of on that, I recently checked my pension and was frankly horrified to see the amount of fees that I was being charged. I think you guys have put your finger on it that one of the big things to check if you're considering whether to leave pension money where it is or move it somewhere else is the fees, um, because that's one of the few things that you can control. None of us can control the markets. We can control how much we pay to invest in the markets. Um, so having a look back, there may be two kinds of fees that you're looking for, um, because typically whoever is running the pension will charge one fee um, for kind of the platform, for kind of the service of running a pension. And then also there will be um, fees involved with whichever funds you are invested in. Um, so having having a look back at your old pensions, what are the fees you're paying um, for the pension itself and for the funds you're invested in? Also to have a look at what fund your money is invested in. Um, here's the thing. Most people, as we've identified, when you get your pensions paperwork um, with your new job, your eyes just glaze over. It's, oh my God, there are far more exciting things to do here. Um, and that's the trouble. Your money will then just go into the default fund. Um, it's something it's something crazy, like 88% of employees, their money just goes in the default fund. Um, and I'm not saying the default fund is intrinsically bad. It's just it's kind of a don't scare the horses kind of investment. It's solid. Whereas if you're in your 20s, you have a brilliant opportunity to go for more, more exciting investments, riskier investments. Yeah, they're going to be more risky. But with that risk, there is a higher chance of return. And if you're in your 20s or your 30s, you've got the time to take that kind of risk. You know, yes, your balance might bounce up or down, but it's got the chance to come up before retirement. So do check where is your money invested? If it's just in the default fund, is there a better option where you might get higher returns? 
often in uh, in workplaces with workplace pensions, they will come to the office and have these open office hours. Is that the right place and time to ask some of these questions around the funds and, and risk uh, profiles, etc.? That's a brilliant opportunity to do it. You know, just ask them if, uh, you know, where where can I put my money? What are the options here? Is there anything beyond the default fund? It's quite likely that they won't be willing to say, you know, you, <laughs> you should invest in this specific fund. But if you can get them to talk to you about what the options are and, um, you know, talk about the fact how how many years you have um, ahead of you um, for the money to grow and kind of help to narrow down which ones might be suitable so then you can make a choice. Not to call out our listeners, but I'm sure there's going to be some people who listen to this and get really excited, but then they're not going to do anything. So Faith, what do you say to that person in order to finally get them over the line? I think they should think, do they ever want to stop working? Because if you, you think about it, if, you're, if, you, if your work stopped today, if your income dried up today, how long could you afford to live? And I'm not just talking shivering in a corner eating baked beans. I'm talking actually live and do the stuff you enjoy. How long would your, any money you've got last? And then if, because for a lot of us, it wouldn't last very long, you know, what on earth are you doing to make that any different at the point you choose to retire? Because fundamentally, the responsibility for funding a retirement has been thrown onto us. And if you don't save enough, you're going to be working until you drop. So we know that millennials are different from generations that have come before them. We have a lot of different interests and passions. We move jobs a lot. For example, some of us are in the gig economy. We're contract workers. Uh, But for the folks who are in workplace pensions, is there a way to optimize them to the point where you could retire by 40. Could you retire early? Yeah, definitely you could retire earlier. I mean, the, 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 the deal with pensions, the reason you get showered with this free money from the government in tax relief is because they want to encourage people to save for the long term. And so the strings attached is that the earliest you can get your money out is the age of 55. And that might creep up a little bit in future. But if you think about it, um, the age for the state pension um, for most people are 2030s. It's already set at 68. That is 13 years later. And again, that could potentially increase. So 55 might sound fairly early, fairly elderly. Um, but, you know, trust me, if you can aim to retire at 55, that's going to be a damn sight better than having to work until 68 or work even longer if you get to 68 and discover the state pension is worth next to nothing and you just have to keep going. Yeah, so given the state of the world and where we're headed, uh, you know, without tempting fate, a lot of us are talking about the R word, recession. If a recession comes to pass, what role do retirement savings play in that and how should we be changing our approach in a recession? Certainly for me, uh, you know, on my to do list for after I come off this call is pay more money into my pension. Because uh, I'm looking at this massive. Us too. Uh, I'm looking at this. Oh, good. <laughs> Hope has been inspiring there, Harrison. Um, 
basically the the markets have come down massively you know yes i think i think there is fundamentally a chance that the coronavirus will um tip us into a recession you know i'm not sugarcoating this things are not looking good out there for the economy but i also think because um, unless you think that fundamentally global capitalism is going to fail markets will come up in the end and if you're looking 10 20 30 years ahead things are going i fundamentally believe things will be better than they are today and so by investing now after the fall i will get more for my money and i can watch that as the markets pick up because they will i don't know when i don't know how much but they will um i can watch that money grow in future now is a great time um to be putting money in that you can afford to stash away for 20 30 40 years a potentially controversial question uh when if ever does it make sense for someone to opt out of a workplace pension i think there are very few situations when your finances would be sufficiently dire that you need to opt out of your workplace pension and this is in the context of discussions um with an extremely experienced debt advisor um that i know sarah who um blogs at debt camel you know her position is even if you have hideous debts if you can possibly afford to maintain your minimum contributions to a workplace pension so that you get that tax relief you get those employer contributions you are paying towards your financial future you know if you can possibly afford to do that do it um opting out of your workplace pension so you can blow the money on on cocktails and holidays not a great plan i think you really would have to be in very very dire financial straits before I'd ever advise anybody opted out of their workplace pension. I have to admit I didn't even realize it was an option to opt out of your your workplace pension. No no it it, it is it is true that you you can choose to opt out. They they switched it. It used to be the position that it was up to employees to choose to opt in and then they switched it so now you have to choose to opt out. Um and due to general lethargy <laughs> um then now we've seen workplace pension saving the number of people participating those numbers have soared they've really gone up and i think it's because for a lot of us we appreciate we probably should be paying into a pension um and the brilliant thing is about a workplace pension is that you have somebody waving a magic wand and they sort it all out for you they take the money they sort out a pension company they sort out a fund and yes i'm saying there's ways that you might be able to optimize this potentially by switching out of the default fund into something with into something more risky when you're younger um but otherwise it is it is this magic wand that helps you save towards your retirement and does it for you yeah i'm glad you said that faith because as tempting as it can be to rationalize to yourself that well having this money now makes my quality of life so much better uh not paying into your pension to your point does just leave free money on the table I think I have two big I also statements from this conversation. One, I also need to pay more attention to my pension. And two, I also feel good about recently having moved all of my uh, pensions into equity funds. So Faith, quickly on that note, do you have any guidance for how to select the type of funds you invest in in your pension, given your profile? The main factors to, to consider are how long you have to go before retiring and how worried you're going to be if you see your balance going up and down. 
Um, I think the technical term for that is probably your attitude to risk, which I'm not not sure sometimes the risk um, word is the most helpful. It might be helpful to think of it as a volatility. And if you've got a longer time frame and you're you can cope with the volatility, go for something more risky because in the hope of higher returns. And in practical terms, what you might want to look at is a fund that has a higher percentage of stock market investments, typically called equities, as opposed to bonds, which are more steady. They're a kind of loan. So higher percentage of equities, the younger you are, because you've got more more time for those bets to pay off. Um, And you might also want to invest more globally. You might want to look towards emerging markets. Um, Certainly for my children, I put money for them in global smaller companies um, because smaller companies, they do have the potential to grow massively, but equally there are a whole load of them that are going to fail. So that's one of those bets that I've placed um, that global smaller companies will do better than just um, a very steady fund based on long-established businesses that don't have so much potential for growth. Yeah, it's good advice, Faith. Um, just reflecting on this conversation, there's a lot of takeaways for me. I think one of them certainly is there is money that I won't miss, and I should be putting that into my pension, right? It's just this reminder that what we do now will help us in in the long run. Uh, in the interest of closing out, Faith, do you have a I also statement that you practice in order to remind yourself to to maximize your pension? I also wish that I had paid more in when I was younger. Um, I think my other I also is that um, now that I'm getting closer to an age when I'm actually be able to get my hands on the money, um, I also want to be able to choose when I retire. I also want that choice of if I work. I really don't want to be in the situation when I cannot afford to give up my job. Faith, I think you summed it up really nicely. Thank you so much for your time today and your candor in sharing with us not just advice, but also some insights into your own pension journey. Uh, it's been it's been really insightful. Um, For everyone listening, please go read Faith's blog, Much More With Less. She blogs about a lot more than pensions as well. Uh, It's it's a fantastic read. We're we're all certainly fans here. Well, thanks, Faith, so much for the time. Personally, as you can tell, I am very passionate about pensions. Um, Pensions are what are going to pay you to have the holiday of a lifetime. And I think that's exciting. Paying your pensions, paying your pensions, paying your pensions. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, join us in the I Also Movement. This means take to your social platforms and post a hashtag I also statement. Follow us on Instagram at I also podcast. And of course, subscribe. This podcast is produced by Harrison Comfort and the theme tune is by Mal and Linnea.